Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Good Thursday afternoon. Nice to enjoy all that sunshine. Makes the minus 16 a little easier to take. Hope you're having a good Thursday. Thanks for hanging out with us this afternoon. Kind of picking up where Rob Breckenridge left off on this conversation. It was a big, big news this week with Suncor talking about its future, especially when it comes to driverless trucks. There was a time, and we've had this conversation for the last few years now, that we thought, yeah, it's it's going to be hitting different sectors down the road, no pun intended. But suddenly, that road is really close when you hear that Suncor is getting ready to shed 400 jobs as they move to introduce these autonomous trucks. What is the future going to be? And especially, what can companies, employees do to prepare for that? I want to bring in David Tickle. He's a distinguished fellow at the University of Toronto's Innovation and Policy Lab. Joins us today. Hello, David. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. You've done a lot of research in automation, and in particular when we're looking at um, the energy sector. Can you give me a little bit of background, what you've been looking at specifically? Well, the the energy sector and the, generally speaking, the uh, resources sector, um, you know, mining and minerals and so on have been automating for many years. Uh, a lot of stuff that's happening at the mine phase is already automated by many, many companies. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a kind of nat- – it's actually probably easier to, in, in, in many respects, to have a self-driving vehicle on a, on a mine site than it is to have a vehicle at the, at the coal phase or the mine phase or what have you. It's because, of course, the task of driving around is – much simpler than the task of, you know, doing some mining. And, of course, most of the mining machines are also mobile. They, you know, they have wheels and they, they move around inside the mine. So this is a natural progression from the perspective of the mining sector, and which is probably one of the reasons why this is one of the first sectors to use automated vehicles. You're not surprised then that we are going to be seeing these things come into play a lot sooner than probably the average person who hasn't done as much research expected it to be. Yeah, well, the, this uh, initiative by Suncor was in the news about about three years ago. They, they did issue a press release. There was a, there were articles all over Canada about it, uh, and then it, no, they, nobody talked about it anymore. So this is actually not new news. What's new news is that they've shifted from testing to full deployment. Exactly. And, but but You're it was right. pretty. But but even at the time, you know, because they're working with Komatsu, which has already uh, deployed in Australia. Uh, it was really a business decision. It wasn't really a technology capability decision. And even back to when they had that press release about testing it. Yeah, and I remember, and of course, it's just part of we're moving into this new area and we've got to test them. But I don't know if a lot of people still thought that was just a few years back. Now they're saying that they're going to be increasing that fleet by more than 150 driverless trucks. So that's how quickly technology has moved, especially when we're looking at Suncor. Yeah, well, of course, it, it's again, it's no surprise because if you look at what's happening out, out there with self-driving cars, you know, on the street, uh, it's, it's a lot more complicated to, to to put a driverless car on the street because you know what they have on the streets? They have other cars. Yeah. <laughs> they have pedestrians, none of which are particularly paying attention to what what uh, what those cars, what those self-driving cars are doing. Nevertheless, 
you know, there was just another announcement that came out of California yesterday about how Google's uh, or Waymo, which is a subsidiary of Google, is doing this car work. You know, their their rate of even having a driver having to take control of their vehicle on a highway in California is extremely low. Um, so uh, the fact that and, and now Google's just announced, Waymo's just announced they're going to order thousands of vehicles and they're going to start deploying them. Uh, General Motors is planning on on, on doing this in a, in a, in a suburb in, in Arizona. Uh, so this is this is this is happening. It's, it's you know the, the large scale deployment is still in the future, but um, significant deployment in real world environments is is certainly here. When we look at the Suncor story, we right away think of, well, what happens to those jobs? That's that's the drivers who you, who would be driving those trucks right now. But it's far-reaching than just the drivers, especially when we go beyond Suncor, when we look at the trucking industry as a whole. Any idea what we are talking about when it comes to job losses down the road? Yeah, well... Altogether, if you look at across Canada, there are about 500,000 people employed as, as professional drivers in one way, shape, or form, whether they're transport truck drivers, which is a couple of hundred thousand, uh, other kind of freight, uh, taxi drivers, you name it, um, you know, Uber drivers. And all of those uh, jobs are definitely targets for automation, but it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. You know, th- as I said, this is a very protected environment, a mine. So it'll, it'll take some time before this happens. And, and, Never will all those jobs disappear, but it's likely that, you know, 15, 20 years from now, many of those jobs will no longer exist. And on top of that, there'll be other jobs that are kind of subsidiary to to the actual job of driving a vehicle that will also go, probably just as many. So with that in mind, and knowing that we may still be 10, 15 years or a little bit further then, what do employees do? What do companies that that's their bread and butter, both for the companies and the employees do as they, as they look to the future? Well, if you're a company that, that actually is in the transportation business, this is an opportunity for automation and, and cost savings. So, and that's why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're an employee, well, it depends on... I guess one, one, I mean, I don't want to be flippant, but depends how far off your retirement age is. Um, so, but if you're not, a, if your retirement age is, is, is not as quick, as far off, then you certainly need to be thinking about, um, you know, where, where the jobs are going to be and how to prepare for it. And basically what's happening, of course, because it's not just happening in this sector, automation is happening in many sectors. You need to think about, um, you need to think about the future of work and where the new jobs are going to come from. And it, it, those are difficult questions. Mm-hmm. It's not obvious that, that we'll have as many jobs today, good jobs, well-paying jobs that are not super complicated. I mean, if you're a 40, 40-year-old truck driver or, or what have you, you know, learning the skills for a techni- highly technical job is going, to, is going to be difficult. And a lot of the other jobs that are, that are still likely to survive are actually fairly low-skilled and low-paid, you know, for personal service jobs of one sort or another. So that's one side. And th- but the other side, to, to your point of um, what companies need to do, there are other kinds of, of jobs or, or, or activities that are going to become irrelevant or likely to become irrelevant because of vehicle automation. So if we get to the point in the future where, you know, we have automated cars and trucks on the roads, and many of them are operated by fleets. People decide they don't need to own cars anymore, or fewer cars are owned. And, you know, where most people are using on, on-demand transportation services. Well, certainly, you, don't, you, need, you, you probably won't need car insurance. You probably a lot a lot of car dealers will no longer be needed. 
um, will be shifting to electrical. So, you know, the demand for oil and gas, which is, of course, mm-hmm. a big issue in Alberta, will, will, will decline. So, and those kinds of jobs won't be automated. And the companies that provide those kinds of services will, 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 will face challenges to, to their business. So in that case, it affects both the business and the people who work in those businesses. But, you know, we have a bit of time ahead of us, but yeah. we really need to start thinking about those changes now you know, as a society. David, and again, this yeah. is only in one sector. You know, yeah. There are many other sectors where the same thing is happening. It was only a couple of years ago that I'd be doing shows on the fact that we don't have enough truck drivers. Um, the older truck drivers are retiring. Younger truck drivers aren't stepping in. Uh, forget that, because I'm sure even a young person right now saying, why would I even think of becoming a truck driver? So, so we're, we're heading into a period where we may not have the drivers we need for the trucks that still operate yeah. traditionally. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We're, we're, we have a shortage of drivers now. And... Uh, which doesn't necessarily mean it's a good career choice. You know, maybe you do this while you're learning to do something else. Yeah. You know, you try to find a way to do it on a part-time basis because there is demand. So, and that's, of course, this is one job where it's very difficult to, to do what I just said for obvious reasons. Yeah. David? Because of the, you know, yeah. Uh, exactly. You're saying hard to do because depending on where you are in your career and everything else, is that what you're talking about? Well, also, you know, if you're doing long haul trucking, you know, that's, you know, it's a, it's, you're doing that on a full-time basis over the course of, of a few days and then you're tired and, yeah. you know, it's very difficult to, you know, to be a long haul trucker and, and also be, be, be educating yourself for another career. You're not always in the same place and your yeah. time is really not your own and so on. If you're, if you're working at a, at a cafe or something like that, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to, you know, be in school at the same time. Can you leave me with any positive thoughts? <laughs> yes. Yes, I okay. can. Number one, um, a lot of people are aware of this issue, you know, and I think that a lot of our political leadership across the country is aware of this issue. They don't talk about it a lot because they don't want to scare people, but they're aware of it and they know we need to do something about it. That's number one. Number two, I think that one advantage we have in Canada that we don't often really think about is that we're a relatively small country, and we have, a, and we're also a country with a fantastic educational system and a lot of highly skilled people, and a very diverse population with a wide variety of different skills. And you know, one of the things I like to say is it doesn't take a lot of, so it doesn't take a lot of work to keep a small number of people busy. So if we can figure out ways, and we are doing this. Mm to uh, identify, you know, where, where we have global advantage and where we can build export-oriented industries, we have a probably a much greater likelihood of figuring this out than much larger countries like the one to the south of us, for yeah. example. So right. I think and that's a huge ground for optimism. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll leave it there then. David, thanks for starting the conversation. Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet, David Tickle. He's a distinguished fellow at the University of Toronto's Innovation and Policy Lab. You know, I think especially if we're just looking at Suncor, we know that the energy sector is being attacked on all sides, especially from environmentalists. So energy companies have to show that they are trying to be environmentally friendly or respectful at least. So you can see why they're moving in certain areas when it comes to automation, saving um, on uh, fuel, on emissions, but then at what cost, especially when it comes to autonomous vehicles.
It's a tough one. 403-974-8255. I will have a few minutes here because we are trying to line up for around 3.30, of course, with Premier Rachel Notley's news conference. They're never on time, but uh, we'll do our best to bring you that live. So I've got some time for some texts and phone calls. I know Rob didn't get to all of them uh, just before 3 o'clock when he was talking about this as well. I'm Angela Coca. You're listening to Calgary Today on 770 CHQR.